Well, hi, Reggie. Thanks for being here and talking to me about the question that I have. And um, we've appreciated your responses and answers in the past is, you know, can a principal be a coach? And if so, how? Um, but just to start here, my name is Matt Renwick. I'm the principal in the, in the Mineral Point uh, School District, the elementary principal and upcoming author of Leading Like a Coach, Five Strategies for Supporting Teaching and Learning through Corwin. It will be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, your work kind of paved the way for this. I'm um, in your book, Read, Write, Lead. And, um, and then the institute that I attended um, in 2012, we've been talking and learning together for over a decade. Um, so I'm just real happy you're here and honored I can talk to you about this. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And it's um, I think it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> it's a great book, I know, because I I wrote the forward, which was a privilege and an honor, so I've read it. And um, I think the question is such an important one, Matt, for, for all leaders, not just principals. Um, not only can a principal be a coach, a principal must be a coach, I think. And mm -hmm. I, I think, and I, I don't, I'm not a big sports person in terms of being a spectator, but whenever you see a winning team, it's almost always, I've never heard of a case where the, there hasn't been a really strong coach. You know, so for me, um, and this is where I think you've made, because I've watched your journey over 10 years and seen your learning and your um, amazing growth. And, and I don't know that you were a coach 10 years ago the way you are today. And so you really share that journey um, in the book. You allow yourself to be vulnerable. You trust your teachers. There's so many things that you do that, that we'll talk about. But I think the... Um, the biggest thing is um, developing the trust. And you and I have talked about that so much. How do you get <clears throat> a whole school of teachers and a principal working together um, as a, I would say, joyful um, um, entity, um, collaborating, trusting each other, really, really difficult. And I think without the principal um, acting as a coach, um, modeling himself or herself as a coach. That's really not possible. Mm -hmm. in, in all the years that I've been working in schools, um, I have found that the principal acting as a coach is the one that sets the tone for the learning that's possible or not. And I think a big part of that, maybe you can talk about that a little bit, because I think that's been a change for you. When I think about coaching, you know, the ultimate goal is we want teachers and students to have that self-efficacy, to be self-determining, right? Setting their own goals. But that can happen without the trust. So maybe talk a lot, because I think that's a big, or talk some, a big part of your journey, I would say, and your growth as an educator is the relationship building that you do now is very different than when you first started. And I think that's really key. Yeah. Yeah. When I first got into administration, I, I came with I think uh, attitude, maybe overconfidence that if I come in with good ideas and um, and I can convey those ideas to the teachers that they're going to um, adopt them and use them and <laughs> it'll just be, you know, we'll just have a great school. And what I learned very quickly uh, was that's not how it works, that um, the only way through it is through um, supporting and developing the capacity of the teachers to to improve. Um, so it really starts with me and my knowledge base. Um, the first year when my 
previous school, we, I, I really took a back seat in terms of learning. So we had our interventionist, lead interventionist leading us in your professional learning through the Reggie Rotman in residence and, um, and, and later reading your book, Rewrite Lead. Um, so I learned with the teachers and I think that was a huge trust factor yeah. um, to getting us on the same page and, and just learning together. I think that was um, kind of a source of great joy uh, because then I could come into the classrooms mm-hmm. instead of saying you're doing this right or wrong, you know, I can come in and say, okay, we both learned this, right? Like let's say shared writing, which is a powerful strategy from your work. And we can talk about it. Like, well, what, what worked for you? What did you like about it? And, and starting a kind of a strength-based approach, you know, and then what did you try and you know, did it work for you? Did it not? And really just these roles kind of melt away when you get engaged in those conversations. Did you know, Reggie, I mean, teachers love to talk shop, right? Yeah. And, and so when we get engaged in that, we just, you know, but they won't, talk. they won't talk if they don't trust you. So you started out by your own admission there with a top-down model. Okay, here's what we're going to be doing. Now go do it. So really now what you're doing as a coach is you're, you're sharing the power. You're sharing who has the agency to make decisions. Um, I think a big part of that is listening. Like when you're in the classroom, you're not just, okay, here's what I noticed, but really listening to what the teacher is saying and doing um, and trusting trusting that they have the kids interested heart and that the professional learning that you're all doing is going to pay off. But maybe talk a little bit about, because I think this was a big um, change, how the, uh, really, I think a celebration culture that's asset-based, that's strengths-based, because I think we can't celebrate kids, you know, if we have a principal that's giving feedback that's always critical, it's not gonna happen, right? right? And just like a good sports team, um, you're always supporting, you're not, you want to focus on, Hey, you're really good at this, but let me give you f- some feedback on this. And I, I know I just, it's just human nature. We don't take feedback very well from people that we don't trust or that we don't like, you know, so ta- you've, you've done a lot to build relationships that made it possible for you, um, to have a school, a collaborative school a more joyful place where people feel they can take risks. They trust you. I mean, that's been a long journey. Mm-hmm. What helped was with that journey was using a framework and we still use the framework for rewrite lead. Um, the, the 10 instructional practices um, that, that helped us give us a language mm-hmm. on what to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and what, that's what I like about your framework. And we continue to use it is um, there's just enough room for teachers to, have that autonomy and authority to to change. They're not stuck on a, um, a curricular resource only. They're you know able to flex and respond to the kids versus following a script. Um, so I just think having that autonomy to do that within a framework uh, was really helpful. And that's um, really, I'm just gonna interrupt, that's really important because a framework is very different than following a script or following a, a commercial program where principals walking through the school and expecting to see everybody on the same page in this particular program. It's not like you're making this stuff up. You have a framework and you also, this is really important, I think in your coaching is the professional learning that's going on constantly, right? Oh yeah, um, and, and, and I'm noticing that now with, with the pandemic, I'm, I'm 
it's harder for me to do walks because our, our professional learning is stalled somewhat. And so now we're, I realize that. Yeah. Um, I think the teachers realize that we're still, you know, it's, it's been very tough, but we're talking now about what's that next step we want to work on. And we're, we're still focused on reading. And um, I don't feel like it's adding one more thing, at least from my perspective. And I think the teachers are interested in it too, but what's that next thing, you know, on our journey to excellence as you've, termed it, which I appreciate, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just having that, uh, focus without, it's, it's not being certain about certain things, right? Like this is the only way you can do it. And, and you better be on page 12 if they're on page 12, but it's being more curious mm -hmm. and just trying to understand, you know, yeah, you're doing these things well. And, and really understanding that teachers thinking behind the decision making that's um how has your feedback the way you give feedback changed because even if you're working online now virtually oh. and i know you're going to talk about the instructional walks which is really key which is difficult to do in the in a pandemic when you're not you know in person every day but giving feedback would still be um you know possible and the way you give feedback and the way you talk with teachers is different as a successful coach. Maybe yes. talk about that because I think, and that is not easy to do. <laughs> no. And I think that's why a lot of principals avoid it, to be honest. They, yeah. they're, they're afraid they're going to. Nobody wants to hear what they need to improve in. No. <laughs> Myself included, right? But yeah. I think if we can open ourselves, help them kind of lower the ego mm -hmm. and increase their curiosity. And I do that. Um, primarily through paraphrasing, and this is, I've been, I've been, had some professional learning also in cognitive coaching. And so I really will just ask, you know, so what happened today? Just tell me how you thought it went and, um, and they'll describe it. And then I will kind of not parrot it back, but I'll summarize it in what I've heard. Um, and I think just listening, you know, and just attending to them and being present, um, makes that trust increase and just lowers their guard. Like he knows I'm not here to nitpick on certain things. I hope not. Um, and I have to do it consistently too. And I can't be, I can't show up every two months. So I think the frequency of it, as well as the attention to just what we're talking about. So starting mm -hmm. with that is very helpful. And then uh, sometimes I'll pause, mm -hmm. um, just let them process what we said, what I said. And, um, and then thinking about some kind of a question that I might want to ask instead of saying, well, here's where I, you know, you hear like the sandwich method, like I'll say some good stuff so that I can get to say the stuff I don't like. <laughs> and it, it's always felt kind of inauthentic to me. Um, so I'll authentically notice, you know, I was just in a classroom today and, and it's 100 days of school today. And so I just noticed like, oh, wow, you, you had a variety of choices today for the uh, students and um, you're, you're your comments to the kids really got them to think about how they can, they were, they were using uh, blocks. They were building structures and stuff. They were doing some STEM activities. And, um, and, you know, I just, so I pointed out the things that they were doing and often they don't even realize what they're doing. And also um, you were affirming them without saying, I like this, or that was good. You yes. were stating factually what you saw. And that's a big change, I think for people. And that's not easy to do either. Mm -mm. Um, no, if you have your eyes always on a rubric, you know, an evaluation tool, you're looking for things to fit in that tool. 
versus having a general framework, um, then I can talk about the teacher's questioning within the context of the activities they did. And that's, yeah, that's, that's much more evidence-based, but like I said, authentic. And, and then I can kind of build into a question. And um, one of my mentors in cognitive, co cognitive coaching has said, you, you earn your right to pose a question through the paraphrase. In other words, do a lot of deep, deep listening. Um, and eventually you can get to a, a relationship point where you can say, hey, and it may not even be that first walk. It may be three walks from now mm. you know, where you finally feel comfortable and you feel like the trust is there where you can pose a question to say, um, you know, for example, um, it may not even be a critique. It could just be, I noticed this and I noticed the kids were all in different stations. Um, how do you feel that went? Mm -hmm. totally open-ended and then they will go into you know their whole thought process you know well, I really wanted kids to have choice and I wanted them to be engaged and I wanted to have a celebration you know I mean and I realized it was a celebration I never taught kindergarten right so um, now I have that and then we have a whole nother avenue we can go off of, of either at that time or in the future um, they might be doing a author's chair there's another example of celebration. Um, we can really, what I'm really trying to do with that is to help them attach their practices with the instructional framework and the good practices that we want to see more often. You mentioned it, that you walks in classrooms and, and um, people won't know what you're referring to. Talk about instructional walks yeah. and how that has changed your practice and also before we started, I know there was a story you wanted to tell. I don't know what the story was, but. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think it relates to that. Yeah. Um, we talked about so, the fact you and I and um, how important it is for principals to get into classrooms. Yeah. This was one of my biggest learnings. I was working with teachers. I wasn't yet working with principals. And of course, without the principal, nothing sustainable and worthwhile is going to happen. <laughs> And so, um, and, and I was finding that principals did not know literacy mm -hmm. and teachers did not know leadership and that that's what read, like, read write, lead was about those two, um, those two foundations, they have to go together. Those two big mm -hmm. ideas have to go together. Yeah. And, and, and principals were not getting into classrooms. I mean, that was except to evaluate. So this was, um, it was a paradigm shift for me when I was working in schools and I'd be there for a whole week. And then you really picked up on that. And it's, it's a very big part of the work that I continue to do with principals and superintendents even. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that a little bit, because that is really where um, I think a lot of your coaching is happening, right? At least on yes. a one, one level. Yes. Um, it's, it's all about learning for me you know, and, and for them too, but it's not like you said, it's teachers aren't just teachers. They should also be leaders and principals should also be learners. And um, so and kind of embrace conditions for that. We can say should, but if the yeah. conditions aren't there, it's not going to happen. True. Yeah. And so that's where the trust comes in and just getting into classrooms. Yeah. The instructional walks for me are just coming in with an open mind and looking first for strengths and, and noticing them, naming them. Um, I will often do that. Hand, with handwriting, uh, handwritten note. Um, usually in the beginning of the year, I'll start with um, just a very with small little, you know, notepad and just notice one thing and leave it on their desk. Um, sometimes you'll see those on their cork boards later on when they're having a rough day and they will 
kind of come back and, and read those is just to help affirm that they are doing a good job. Uh, sometimes in the beginning, I'll just take pictures and then leave a little caption underneath it and email it to them. Um, but it's never, it's never, there's never a number or, or a level you're never progressing or advanced or whatever. It's always just, it's always qualitative and it's not, I'm trying to pigeon, you know, put it into a box, I guess. I think um, that's great. And do the teachers tell you, do they say, I really appreciated Matt that you left that note? Or, yes. And that's a yep. big and, and I've, I've noticed too, they will start doing the same thing um, with their kids. Oh, that's great. Uh, right. Or even with me, just, you know, know you've had a rough year, you know, um, just want to let you know how much I appreciate, you know, it's kind of building that culture, right? Of uh, You know what I get a big kick out of, and I don't know if people know this, but you know, you are a tech guru. You've written a book on technology and education. Um, and yet you went from, which kind of warmed my heart. You went from the high tech when you were, you know, observing to handwritten notes and, and talk about that. Cause I think that's really important. I said that not that the tech can't work, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have that same personal feel, right? It's the difference between yeah. reading something that a child wrote a poem um, and it's in the handwriting and the paper sends a message of the personality that you cannot get from, you know, taking notes on a, on a computer when you're walking around, which is intimidating to some teachers, you know, you've got your iPad or whatever, and they don't like, well, what's he writing down, you know? Yeah, they, they associate evaluations with computers. Yeah. I was using an iPad, but I found myself getting distracted um, with the notifications and everything going on. And I, I never could give them something, you know, it's almost like a gift, like there's nothing tangible about it. Um, or the kids would be looking around, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, trying to see what's on the screen. They still look at what I'm writing, but um, it's more of like, oh, you you write too, you know? And um, so it just kind of feels like you're part of a community. But uh, yeah, it's really my kind of visual signal to the class that I'm not here to evaluate. And it helps, I think, the teachers differentiate between the two because they still do evaluations on a laptop yeah. and I'm doing them now. But um, just give that clear line of, uh, separation, I guess. And I think that that can be maybe say about how you fit these in your schedule because you do them often. You do these every day. Uh, also, like today, um, I did one. I aim for three. Today was one because it was just a half day. Um, I will usually block off some time, an hour to an hour and a half every day. I keep track um, just with my own little system on paper of when I'm coming in. So I'm not always coming in at nine o'clock, um, you know, kind of changing it up. I feel like teachers feel like, you know, that's one piece of feedback I got from teachers was in the beginning, you're not coming in when the kids are doing this. So you're not seeing me when I'm like, oh, okay. So I try to keep track of when I come in. I also make sure, and this is very, very important, is I don't go into another teacher's classroom for a walk until I've gone through the entire faculty. You know, I have to start over because what I found is, and other principals have said this too, they'll, they'll go where they're wanted or where they feel welcome and they'll <laughs> right. tend to avoid, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to avoid situations that are going to be difficult. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the walks though, the walks give me something to do and it really slows down my noticing too. Mm -hmm. I have to write down mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, 
helps me kind of attend to not just what they're doing, but what they're saying. Um, and just kind of a general feel of the classroom. I think that's data too of um, how does it feel like to be a learner in here or a teacher? Does it feel joyful? Does it feel uh, like it's a place that people belong? And I can note that, you know, but and here's the evidence of, of, mm. of that feeling to support that. So yeah, there was an example with um, uh, a first year teacher who classroom management's always, you know, a challenge in your first year, more or less. It depends on the kids you have too and what kind of personalities you get, but she really wanted to focus on classroom management. And I said, okay. Um, and I said, is there any other topics you want to talk about? And she's trying to plan for her professional learning for that year. She's like, oh, well, the curriculum, our team is writing curriculum um, around ELA, around literacy. I said, okay. So I said, you've got two goals here, um, curriculum work and classroom management. And, um, and I posed then, I paused, you know, so I paraphrased and I paused and I posed the question of, which one do you feel like might impact both? You know, where you're not trying to do both because it can be hard to focus, but which area might you focus on first? And I felt like they gave her permission to just pick one. And, and, I, and, I, and I told her, I said, I don't feel like your classroom management is poor. I said, I think she was just being a little too self-critical. Um, so then she went into curriculum. And we talked about then relevance, right? Of maybe the kids are kind of bored um, or engagement and, and just getting kids to select their own goals and, um, and be motivated and, and finding time for them to be independent learners and not just teaching all the time. And um, I don't think we could have had that conversation, you know, as openly and as, as authentic as it was, if I first hadn't been in her classroom and learned about it before we even had this formal conversation for evaluation, nor had I not done some instructional walks ahead of time. Yeah. So that I could say your classroom management's okay. You know, and you're a first year teacher, you've got to yeah, give yourself a break. Yeah. And so it's not just about the walks or the feedback there, but it also is about me being a better supervisor too. So that when I do the evaluations, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise. I'm not assuming uh, yeah. too much. I'm just, you know, I have a pretty good idea of what's already happened. And, and I think a big part of that, um, Matt, is getting to know your teachers. Yeah. I don't think you can uh, get the trust that you need as a coach if you don't know the people that you're working with. If you don't know mm -hmm. their personal stories, their professional stories, and that plays into your um, professional learning. And maybe just say something about that because you have spent a lot of time on professional learning um, that whole collaborative coaching culture, which you are principal's model, hopefully, then that, that goes down to the kids. That, mm -hmm. That's the way teachers will take, take your role modeling mm -hmm. and treat their kids with that same kind of respect, getting to know them really well, giving them more choices. What do we believe kids about how we should treat each other? You know, doing a shared mm -hmm. writing on that. Um, but the professional learning, the high-level professional learning is so important. And I know you started with beliefs. Um, and that's, I think, really part of being a, a competent coach is um, you all have to be on the same page and they about what you believe about literacy and learning, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. 
Mm-hmm. And then part of that is, which I always found the hardest thing was, even for principals, how do you get teachers to move to a teaching stance where they're looking at what I call whole part, whole teaching? Mm-hmm. They're not just you know teaching short A today. They're not teaching skills in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that a lot of that happens, I think, and uh, through through whole school vertical teams, professional learning. Yeah, and that's been the lead coach there. I mean, I know the teachers are probably taking more and more of a lead, but you're the lead coach. And I think maybe say something about that. I think that's really important Mm -hmm. in leading like a coach. It has to include professional learning. Yeah. And it's been tough the last couple of years. So we really had to rethink it. Um, You know, I I think back to some of the examples in your book, Read, Write, Lead, where it was either your personal example or you, you describe a coach where you're just being there and being consistently there and showing up just has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. I remember the one, I think it was Victor, um, yeah. who, who took three years to yeah. finally, and, and seeing some results from your work to say, okay, you know, I know I trust you. And so I think showing up is really important um, and just being in there and not always, not always feeling like you have to give feedback. You know, sometimes it's like, right. oh, this is great. I know, yeah. um, but I think with professional learning, we've had to really do a lot of kind of like almost micro PD. Um, so one tool I've been using is um, there's some very short videos on the Thinking Collaborative website. It's for cognitive coaching and and they say they just one minute video on how to paraphrase or, or a two minute video on how to pose a question or um, a minute and a half on how to read body language. And they're very short and I'll, I'll show them at the beginning of a meeting. That's great. And then, just, and then just have, put them in like a Zoom breakout room and just practice that. And here's a prompt that you can talk about. And what was one of the best examples out of that as an impact was I was in a classroom and the teacher was working on the student's writing. It was all about camping. And the teacher could have just gone in and say, oh, this is all about camping. Here's your title. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was, she was, he was talking about s'mores. He was talking about campfire. He was talking about campground and um so he's they're going through his writing and and she just was paraphrasing what he was saying and then just paused and then posed the question of so what did these all have in common and um he just said and this was during an instructional walk and he just said oh it's about having fun at camping there's your title and he came up with it and um it just reminded me of he really owned that right And I think that's the same thing for teachers. If, if they're always reliant on a principal or some supervisor coming in and telling them what is going well and what's not, you know, we're not building capacity or self-efficacy for the future. Um, and as much as principals come and go, right, yeah. um, we really have to develop their capacity, not just as a teacher, but also as a self-reflective, self-determining learner, which you talk a lot about. So later on, I talked to her about that. And I just said, I noticed you use some paraphrasing there and posed a question. She's like, oh yeah, the videos are great. And uh, I wasn't sure if they were even, you know, cause you don't always get a good response. They just kind of, you know, um, do what you ask, which is great. But um, it was neat to see that trickle down and into the classroom. So kind of to your point is this work isn't just about improving myself as a coach or, or just improving instruction, but a school-wide culture of coaching where we're all supporting one another in their learning journey. And I think one, I just want to add one thing to this is one of the things that I found really powerful, the story that you just told, 
when you have a professional development meeting, um, then you can say, okay, Sarah, would you tell the story of what happened? And would you read Benjamin's piece? Because they won't do it. They won't. They'll go, oh, no, no, it's not good enough. And people will think I'm bragging. And that's really powerful to start or end a a, um, professional learning meeting with a celebration of something that that you saw walking around the building. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And having them say it versus me, Mm -hmm. because we don't want to, we want them to salon it. We don't want them to feel like they're the principal's pet either. Um, But, you know, that that if you have a culture of coaching, um, that's less likely to happen, right? Because they don't see people doing well as competitive, but as- is an opportunity to learn from each other. Yeah. Right. Because you're in their room and they're, and they're not feeling they're being evaluated. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's a different visit than an, an evaluate, a formal evaluation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and initially they're shocked. They're afraid because they think it's an evaluation until you build that trust. But then they really, they really get to like it. I mean, who wouldn't like it? I mean, you know, uh, everybody likes to be complimented sincerely on what they're doing well. And that's actually, Especially the last couple of years. I yeah. Guess. And I wouldn't say it's complimented and not, not complimented in a way like I like your dress, but, com- mm-hmm. but celebrated, celebrated. Yeah. And Some I teachers think- aren't always comfortable with that, with speaking. And so I also have a newsletter mm-hmm. that I send out once a week. And I always put a picture of some practice that I saw and I always ask permission. Can I share this? And yeah. I think it was really great. And, and I'm always linking to the framework and you know, or our professional development, whatever we're, you know, wherever it's aligned. Um, but so there's many avenues for that too, to, to make sure they're being recognized and affirmed. Um, and then I want to make clear too, I, kind of wrapping up our time here, but um, there are, there are points where I do have to give feedback and it's constructive and even sometimes critical. And I, and this is not to avoid that, but I feel like just to give the teachers every opportunity to, to see what they're doing well and to make some, you know, subtle improvements. And as long as they're improving and they're doing a good job. I, I don't have to do a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so it really minimizes that. Um, the other thing too, with the coaching, coaching culture is for those people who, who are truly struggling for whatever reason to fit into that culture, they start to exit out. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen that in your residencies. Well, you sort of hope for that because <laughs> yeah. there's always somebody, you know, you have the resistors who are who are kind of waiting it out thinking, well, this is just a trend and he's not going to be here that long. And we know you and I've talked about this and you've lived it, that it takes at least five to seven years. What I've seen happen. And I know you've seen the same thing is because this work is hard, but it is wonderful. It's joyful. You have people who will eventually, you know, they will retire a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, because they don't like the culture of the school. They don't want to work that hard. They don't want to do professional learning every week. Um, so it's, it takes a long time to get, you know, um, you're, you're principal now at your school, what, seven years? This is my sixth year. And, sixth year. Yeah. And we're also seeing the opposite. We're starting to see, I've, I've had one teacher who's come to us saying, I really want to be a part of this culture yeah. because I know teachers are respected and um and are supported so um well this has been a great conversation and we could probably go another half hour and <laughs> no we too long. well congratulations on the book matt thank you like a coach i hope everybody will take a look at it and 
Um, it's really well done. And I love the fact that you tell your journey, your story, um, you're honest, um, you're still growing as a learner as we all are. Mm-hmm. So it's a pleasure to talk with you and be your colleague and friend. Same here, Reggie. Thank you for, for all you do for me and for everyone. Uh, thank you.